Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. And today I'm talking with Joy Marchese, a global educational consultant, author, keynote speaker, parent coach, and emotional architect. I love that. We're going to have to talk about what that is. For 25 years, Joy has worked with thousands of children, parents, teachers, and professionals to help foster a happy and flourishing environment in the home, in schools, and in the workplace. Joy is the founder of Positive Discipline UK and co-author of Positive Discipline for Today's Busy and Overwhelmed Parents. She runs a successful global educational consultancy and coaching practice and develops SEL courses and products to teach social emotional skills in homes, schools, and multiple organizations throughout the world. Welcome, Joy. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit, Joy, first, your story. How did you get into social-emotional learning and empowering parents and their kids? So I have been an educator for 25 years, and eight years into my teaching career, um, I found myself actually running a nonprofit organization. And it was a charity that helped to build resiliency in kids and in families. And I went from working at a very kind of elite private school in Manhattan to working at what they considered at-risk schools within the boroughs. And one of those schools was on Rikers Island, which is the largest jail in the Northeast in the United Mm -hmm. States. And so they have a secondary school um, on the island and I was working with felony criminals. And so at that time, I hadn't really heard of positive discipline and I started doing research and someone introduced me to the first book that I read, Positive Discipline. And I was so blown away as an educator and, and I had a degree in psychology and I just thought, how did I go all of these years without having this information? It just w- blew my mind. And I actually flew, I got on a plane a few weeks later and I flew to San Diego to meet the creator, Jane Nelson, Dr. Jane Nelson. And I took my first workshop with her and I got trained as a positive discipline um, parent educator. And I started because I was working with after school programs um, with families, not just with kids, but with families to help build resiliency. And um, it was very trauma informed. And so I started doing parent education using this philosophy and I loved it. And so I was teaching parent education. I've been teaching it for 15 years, way before I was even a parent myself. So I felt a little bit like a fraud. How could I be teaching parents, right? And I'm not a parent, but I was working with so many children of all ages. So I had a different perspective and it wasn't about me teaching parents. It was about us learning together. And I learned probably more from those parents than they learned from me in a sense. That is, it's amazing too, that I think we see how to parent in one way. And we kind of have this ingrained belief of what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, we learn from our parents, we learn from their parents and pass it on. And all of a sudden we see this new way 
right? And we're like, oh my gosh, the way we're doing it is not getting the results we want. And we like to blame our teens for that. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and you're not reacting the way I want you to react, right? So all of a sudden we go, wait a second, if we change what we do, this changes. Well, that's, you know, it's amazing because when I work with, if you look throughout history, children, adolescents, teenagers haven't changed. No, not they haven't that. changed. They're still the same. They're going through the same processes. Okay. They have the introduction of technology, but actually adolescents, teenagers haven't changed. The parenting over the generations has changed, right? We've had lots of different parenting styles. We've had like helicopter parents and snowplow parents and tiger parents and, you know, all of these different labels we put on parents. But the fact is, is that adolescents are adolescents. And one of the things I do with parents when I work with them is we start by taking a trip down memory lane and Mm -hmm. thinking back to their teen years. So if I asked anyone viewing, if I said, think back to your teenage years? Like, do you remember what your world was like? What were your issues? What did you think about all day? You know, I usually have parents make a list as if they were a teenager. What was important to them then, right? And then I have them compare their list to the issues of mentioned by teenage students that I work with, right? And it's almost the same. Like they were thinking, what should I wear? How can I be popular or at least be included? You know, what should I do about drinking and, 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 and drugs and, and sex and what's happening to my body? And will other kids think I'm cool? And should I go to, co- how can I get my parents off my back? And should I go to college? And, you know, what is there to do? I'm bored. So, you know, it's those challenges for teens are still the same, right? Mm-hmm. And it's how we deal with them as parents. So, you know, the parenting with each generation has changed because as you said, we learn to parent from our parents. So we either do exactly what they did because that's all we know, or mm-hmm. we do the exact opposite because we resent what they did with us. Right. <laughs> right. And we're doing everything differently. So how do we know that positive parenting isn't another kind of fad of parenting? Like, What is different about positive parenting than what we've done in the past? So I think what's important to note, um, at least with the philosophy of positive discipline, which is what I I work with, um, and the book that I co-authored was with Dr. Jane Nelson and another colleague, Christina Bill, and it is based on Adlerian psychology. Alfred Adler was a Viennese psychiatrist. I'm talking over a century ago. This is not new stuff. He, right. you know, he was the grandfather of individual psychology or humanistic psychology. So he studied relationships and he was doing parent education over a century ago. So, you know, it's, I think in some sense, um, you know, we're now more ready, <laughs> you know, ready for it. You know, I mm. think it was taboo in the past to really talk about, you know, when a parent, you know, sought help, it was seen as, you know, they're, they're failing. And I think we have changed in society in the sense that, you know, we used to have that village, we used to have the people around us that helped us. And so many of us are now separated from our families. I mean, I'm a New Yorker living in London, you know, I've been raising my daughter, my husband's French, so neither one of us have family around us, right? So that whole, it takes a village, it does take a village. And, and what happens when you don't have that village around you. So, you know, Alfred Adler um, was a pioneer. He was way ahead of his time. So his work has been around for a very, very long time, as I said, and now research 
is actually finally proving all of the work that, that he did. And, and I, I would say one of the most important aspects of his work was that all human beings, including, including children, deserve to be treated with basic human dignity and respect. And a big, um, I guess, mantra or golden nugget from his work that I live by in my life is connection before correction. And that's in all of my relationships, not just with teenagers or with my young daughter. It's with my colleagues. It's with my spouse. It's with my friends. You know, how do we connect with the human being, with the person before we correct, before we teach? That is so powerful. And one other thing I want to jump back to is the fact that a lot of times the way we interact with teens, we kind of ask them to defy human nature. Like we get upset with them when they react a certain way, but the way they're reacting is human nature. And so I like that you're saying this works for everyone across the board because we're all humans acting in the way that we're programmed, right? That we're, we're programmed to work the way our brains work. So tell us a little bit more about this connection before correction, because I'm completely on board with that too. And I, I talk about the same thing. So I really want to learn from you how you communicate that. So I think when we think about connection, we can think of that as kindness and respect and uh, belonging, you know, making sure that, the, that the, the, the person feels a sense of belonging and connection. It's one of our basic needs as human beings is just connection. And we know that people do better when they feel better and they feel better when they're connected, right? So how can you connect? And it can be simple. You know, you can connect by just getting down on their level, like making eye contact. Or even sometimes with teenagers, I like to go below their level a little bit, mm. you know, so um, that, you know, it's almost, you know, taking away that power dynamic. Yeah. You can connect by just a hand on the shoulder, you know, or just by close proximity. You can connect with your language by just validating them. You know, I think we forget. We really... As parents, we tend to take a lot personally, right? And so when a child, when a teenager, you know, rebels, and we'll talk about that, that, as you said, that's a normal part of their individuation process. Um, and they're actually not rebelling. They're going through individuation, but it looks like rebellion to us. So we take it personally. They're not listening. They're not, when we say children, I say children, I also mean teenagers, but when we say, when we say, you know, my teenager isn't listening, what a lot of the time we're referring to is they're not obeying, right? They're not doing what we want them to do. So, so we have to really be mindful of that. But when we think of that connection piece, just validating them, you know, like if you think about it, if you can really understand that for teenagers, remember, they, when I gave you that list of what they're thinking about, they're actually not thinking about their parents so much, right? Like that wasn't on the list, except how can I get my parents off their back? You know, they're not thinking about their, their chores that need to be done or their home. You know, it's not a priority for mm-hmm. teens. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't do those things, but it'll help us if we understand that their priorities are not the same as ours, right? right? So if I just say to, to my teenager, you know, I can understand that chores are not a priority for you. That's the connection. I'm just validating them. And they need to get done. So that's kind of the firmness, right? We say we're kind and firm at the same time. First, we're kind by, you know, validating, but we're firm by setting boundaries and they need to get done. And then this is where the, the, the connection and correction come together. 
let's work on a plan together that would make chores as easy as possible for both of us. So you get them done and it gets me off your back. Right? So if you were to approach a teenager that way, they would probably have a much, at least they'd be open to talking about it rather than you better get these chores done or you're not going to have your, your phone for a week. You know, like it just doesn't, then you're getting into a power struggle. Which we get into a lot. So why are parents, even though we do it over and over and over again, and it still gets the same not good results, why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep taking, I call it phone snatching. Why are we, Uh why do we love snatching the phone away? Why is that our go-to? You know, that's the definition of insanity, right? Einstein doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You know, this is the thing. When we do things like punishment, right? Taking away privileges, taking away the phone. The reason we do it is because in the moment, that's like, that's our, you know, punishment and rewards are are two of the main parenting tools out there for young kids and older kids. Okay. And the reason they're the most popular is because they work. We wouldn't use them if they didn't work. The problem is they only work in the short term. You know, in the moment, if you take away the phone, okay, they're not on their phone. Okay, but what's going to happen? Is that going to really teach them the life skill that you're trying to teach? No, it's just going to build resentments and, and, and rebellion. And they're going to find a sneaky way to find. I mean, you, I love working with teenagers. They give me all the ins and outs. Right? <laughs> I learned so much from teenagers. I've been teaching them for a long time. So I think, you know, as parents, we need to look for long-term. We need to really, you know, focus on the long-term goal. What is it we really want? to teach our children so they can be happy, successful, productive, contributing global citizens. You know, what's important? Teaching them skills like empathy and critical thinking and problem solving and and confidence and independence. And we don't teach that through punishment, through taking away the phone. We think we do, that's our goal. But if you can just imagine that who your teenager is today is not who they will be for the rest of their life. Like we have to, that can actually relieve some of the anxiety and the fears, right? Although it may seem right now that this is who your teen is and, and they're not the person you expected, it's because they haven't really grown up yet, right? This process of individuation, they're in the thick of it. And, and if, if you're not familiar with what that means, first of all, it means the behavior is temporary. That's the good thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. It will last for as long as it takes them to figure out who they are as an adult, right? Because they're moving from childhood to adulthood. So they need to figure out who they are separate from their families, from their parents. And so that when you, when you can see it with that view, you can actually take it less personally, right? So a lot of the time, the individuation looks like rebellion to parents. And if you just know it's a normal process, then it won't be so frustrating and scary, right? We also have to remember that during this process, they're going through huge physical and emotional changes. Mm -hmm. And many of these biological changes, they're essentially out of their control. So it's not an excuse. It's just coming from a place of understanding and meeting them where they are. We also have to remember that peer relationships during this time take precedence over family relationships. That's part of the process. Teens are supposed to be exploring their power and exercising their personal power, their autonomy. These are all part of the process. They also have a need for privacy. 
And we see that as selfishness and yeah. sneakiness. But this is part of the, the as you said earlier, Dr. Campbell, normal human process that's been happening for generations and generations, right? right? And we have to remember during this time, parents become an embarrassment to their teens. So, you know, just remembering that this is not, this is a, this is just a, a blip in their life, you know, and yeah. how, can we, how can we get through it together? Well, and I think it's so important what you said too, when we thinking long-term, what do we want them to learn? And I think our short-term reactions are actually prohibiting the development of those very things because we're controlling. Because I, I think the other word people use a lot is I want to motivate them. And motivating is another word of I want to get them to do what I want them to do. Yeah. That's motivation, right? They're not motivated. They're just giving in to you. And when you think about that, though, do we want to raise adults that only do stuff when they're being directed to do it? Or do we want people that are going to think for themselves and have something that they're passionate about and are self-driven, right? Exactly. And we're taking that away. We're, we're taking that away from them when we punish them. Yeah. And I think you're right. When we think about cooperation, right? We want our, we want them to cooperate. When you involve them in the process, when they are involved in creating, whether it's agreements or, you know, routines or when they're involved in the process, you will have more cooperation with them. You know, when we talk about, I hear from parents all the time, parents that I'm coaching, you know, my kids, you know, we make agreements and they don't keep them. Right. <laughs> and that's what they said. But who's going to keep an agreement when they're a teenager? Did you, you know, yeah. but it doesn't mean, you know, we don't, we shouldn't, but a lot of the time it's, it, it's, it's because we're not following through. But some of the times when we create these agreements, what we're actually doing is saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. Do you agree? And, you know, we're, we've said it, it wasn't, yeah. there's no agreement. They don't have no, a choice. Exactly. We've told them. And sometimes it's said in a really authoritarian manner, yeah. right? It doesn't even leave room for any sort of discussion. So most teenagers, they often just like shrug. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And what it really means, what they're really saying with, yeah, sure is sure. I'll agree just to get you off my back, yes. but I don't really agree. Right. And then what happens is they usually don't keep their agreement. <laughs> right. And then we get mad at them because yeah. they're not following through on what we agreed decided. they would do, what we exactly. decided they were going to do. And now they're not doing it. And we get yeah. angry. Human nature. So I, yeah. And I think so. I think it's really important. You know, teenagers will usually won't be 100% of the time because nothing is 100% of the time, but they will usually keep their agreements if they have truly been respectfully involved in creating them. And that really requires a few steps, you know? And the reason I say usually is because, you know, again, they will push boundaries because of this individuation process. Mm -hmm. But the first step of creating agreements is to really just sit down together in a moment of calm, this is not when you're angry or frustrated. This is during a time of zero conflict, right? And just have a respectful discussion about the issue that requires mm -hmm. the agreement. And a big one that comes up is technology, right? Yes. So like, it's important. This is the deal. When parents say my, my, my teenager doesn't listen, they will listen after they have felt listened to. That's kind of one of my golden nuggets is to yes. listen 
first. There's that connection before correction. Listen first. And I don't mean just hear. Really listen to what they're saying. And then when you share, that's the correction. You know, you can. So it really has to be calm. Both people need, when you model listening, they are much more likely to then listen to you. So listen first. And then during, when you're having that discussion, you have to really make sure that everyone gets to share their thoughts and feelings about the issue without being interruption, interrupted. So I usually have like a talking item, like whoever's holding this is talking. And if I interrupt you, you need to stop me. Mm-hmm. You, I give you permission to do that. You know, and I've had teenagers in my class do that. And I think that's great. And I said, you know what? You're right. And I zip it. Right. So you can even set like a timer. Okay. Every three minutes you have to speak and share and the whole three minutes they can speak or they can say, you know what? I'm done. And the people listening, the parent or parents, you know, they need to just not explain, not defend, not give their opinion. They need to just listen. Mm -hmm. Right. And once both sides have done that, then you can really take that information and you can brainstorm. What are some ideas? What would help us? You know, where and you get everyone's suggestions down, even if they're crazy. You know, even if it's like, you know, I can be on my my computer all night until, you know, whenever I I feel, you know, just write it down. Mm -hmm. You just get everyone's ideas. But then you want to focus on solutions that are really reasonable right? They're reasonable. They're related. They're respectful to both sides and they're helpful. And that helpful piece, that means they're learning. They're learning those life skills that we want them to learn, right? Because if not, it's not really a solution, then it's a consequence if they're not really learning from it. I I like the difference between consequence and solution because consequence I think is we're going to punish you after you've done something wrong. And a solution is we're going to help you learn how to make a good choice, right? Instead of punishing after you've made a bad choice, how does that help? We're going to help you and set you up to succeed because our goal is that we don't have to deal in with consequences. Like we don't, nobody wants consequences because it's hard for parents to follow through on them. But you know what? There are in life, there are consequences, right? We natural. have we have natural consequences. You don't eat breakfast, you're hungry. Yeah. You, you, it's raining here in London. You don't bring your coat, you get wet, right? Like so there are, there is, you know, children do learn from natural consequences as long as, as long as now this is the key, and this is what I hear you saying, as long as we don't try to disguise punishments as natural or logical consequences, which is what we tend to do. We do. So if so if my child goes outside without her coat and I said, listen, once we go to the park, you can't come back. You know, we're we're already there. You sure you don't want to bring your coat? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And then we go to the park and then 15 minutes later, mom, mom, I'm cold. And I say, I told you so. The minute I say I told you so, there's a punishment. It's not a natural consequence. I've taken away the learning right? Mm -hmm. When, when a teenager forgets to bring their lunch to school or forgets their lunch money, and then they're hungry. When we run to the school and bring their lunch or bring the money and we rescue them, right? We've taken the learning away. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to allow them to experience natural consequences of their choices by giving them choice. And we have to be there to just allow them to suffer without saying, I told you so. 
right? Or I knew because then the, the learning goes away. And, and I think it's important that we can have even logical consequences that are respectful, reasonable, and related. We can have logical consequences. If we create agreements and they're not kept, as long as we know in advance, there can be. The problem is that consequences are not always solutions because they're not always helpful, but solutions are always consequences because they're always respectful, reasonable, and related. So that's why this is one of the things I loved as an educator and as a parent with positive discipline is that we focus on solutions. It's a solution focus. And if you think of taking the skill of focusing on solutions into the workplace, if that's your mindset and you're always solution focused, imagine what an asset you'll be in a company, either your own or somebody else's. It's, it's amazing. And now you're modeling how to resolve things and problem solve for your teenagers and, and helping them learn how to do it. And I can't think of a better skill to give our kids than the ability to look at a problem and figure out a solution. Yeah. Like that's huge. And I think a lot of times we see so many kids and I hear this, it's like, they don't try, they just give up, they have a sense of helplessness. Well, that's because they don't have the ability to look and problem solve because they're afraid. They're afraid they're going to make the wrong decision and get in trouble. So we learn just not to do it, right? Instead of going, I'm going to try, it may not work, but at least I'm going to try. Well, a lot of that, a lot of that fear comes from not being given the opportunity to fail, right? Like how do we grow by making mistakes and learning from those mistakes? And, you know, I talked about those different styles of parenting. When we look at the helicopter parent or the snowplow parent, right? That's paving the way for their child or they're fixing it and they're doing things. You know, I have this, and this goes for teenagers as well as young children. Don't do anything for a child that they can do for themselves, Yes, right? Like don't do it. They can do it. Let them struggle. You know, as parents, we never want to see our kids struggle. It pains us to see them struggle. But if we can remember that it's like the butterfly trying to break out of the chrysalis, right? The butterfly needs to struggle and, 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 and build its wing muscles so it can fly and thrive and survive in the world. We need to allow our kids to struggle a bit, right? We need yeah. to let them build their resiliency muscles, so that they can fly and thrive and survive in the world. So anytime we want to jump in and fix or rescue or, you know, come up with a solution for them, we need to pause and just take a step back and just be there. Yeah. And the amount of self-confidence they develop every time they're able to resolve their own problem, that's where self-confidence comes from. Being able to come through that. And I think what's interesting is a lot of parents we want to save because we don't like seeing them struggle. However, often we create unnecessary struggles because of the restrictions and conflicts and expectations we set on them that aren't fair. So we're creating all these additional (laughs) problems that aren't solvable because we've created something that's not solvable rather than giving them the space to solve what is solvable. So I think that's one thing to kind of look at as well. Yeah. 
So Joy, how do people find you? So best way is to find me through my website, joymarchese.com. Um, I, you can also email me joy at jarmarchese.com and, uh, you can find information about my book, positive discipline for today's busy and overwhelmed parents. I know it's a mouthful, <laughs> but it's spot on, <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots of really practical, practical tools, um, for, for all ages. It even talks about couples and relationships. Um, so, you know, and the workplace, how do you apply these same principles in all areas of your life? That's great. So any parting words of wisdom or encouragement for parents with teenagers? I just, you know what? Two things. Remember that who they are today is not who they will be forever, mm-hmm. right? This is not, this too shall pass in a sense. And remember that connection before correction. How can you yeah. connect first? And sometimes that means just connecting with yourself, right? So making sure that you are calm and grounded and, you know, before you respond. That is so important. I love that. Thank you, Joy. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thank you, Dr. Cam. I loved being here. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens succeed, you can grab my top 10 parenting tips at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies Joy shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find this show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.